0: Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSP MAG24.
1: Welcome to the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network, you're tuning into an episode of the Redefining Society Podcast, hosted by Marco Cipelli. Let's face it, the future is now. We live in a hybrid analog digital society, and we must stop ignoring it or pretending that technology is not affecting us. The line between the physical and virtual worlds has become a figment of our imagination. On it, we are continually performing a dangerous balancing act juggling convenience, privacy, freedom, security, technology, society, culture, and even the future of humanity. There is no better place than here, and no better time than now, to muse on our relationship with technology and how to redefine what society means in this new age. Black
2: Cloak To help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. Devo unlocks the full value of machine data for the world's most instrumented enterprises. The Devo Data Analytics Platform addresses the explosion in volume of machine data and the crushing demands of algorithms and automation. Learn more at devo.com.
3: Hello, this is Marco Ciappelli. Welcome to another episode of Redefining Society podcast. And uh, this is where, as you know, we muse and reflect on technology and the way that we interact with it. So it's either you can think about society and technology or technology and society. I don't care. It's the same thing. (laughs) We meet in the middle. But I think that if I have to start with one side, I will start with society. I will give it a little bit more of the relevance when we have this conversation, and uh, and eventually, you know, we meet in the middle. Today, I'm actually really excited because we're going to talk about a book called "Ethics for People Who Work in Tech," and we're going to do that with the author uh, Mark Steen, uh, all the way from Europe, and uh, I'm here all the way in LA. So. Uh, this is just an audio podcast, so in order to prove that uh, Mark is real and is here with me we're gonna, we're gonna have him introduce himself and say hello to everybody and I'm sure it's going to be a fantastic conversation in line with redefining society. Welcome, Mark.
0: Thanks uh, for the invitation, Marco. Um, yeah, my name is Mark Stein. I live and work in the Netherlands. I work as a senior research scientist at TNO, which is a large independent government funded research and technology organization in the Netherlands. And for the last 10 years or so, I've increasingly specialized in asking questions about ethics involved in the creation, the development, and the deployment of technologies with a focus on digital technologies Big data algorithms and what they currently tend to call artificial intelligence AI.
3: Do we agree on the intelligence? We want to start with that. (laughs) No, no, yeah, it's (laughs) it's
0: it's, (laughs) uh, yeah. (laughs) Nonverbally, I was hinting like it's it's a silly term. I would rather (laughs) say machines doing yeah calculations, and then we can use them as tools, and then they can do useful stuff or less useful stuff for us. So I I regard technology always as tools. um, And even more, I look at them often from a perspective of ethics, where you can think of technology as tools that can either help people to live well together or hinder people to live well together. And it's not so black and white as that, but it enables a conversation on looking at technology always as tools potentially for uh, enhancing human capabilities. Mm-hmm. And yeah, AI as a white plastic robot that does things and that things of its own. No, no. Yeah. It's nice for science fiction movies, but it's not very realistic.
3: OK, we're not going to hear that, uh, you know, the voice, the metallic voice in the back telling that Dave, I can't do that. Um, so uh, I, I like to start with the idea of uh, intelligence because I feel like you set up this the expectations so high when you talk about intelligence, I think a lot of people don't even know how to define intelligence in general. And when it applies to, to humans and, or, or animals, right. You know, are they intelligent, they're intelligent in a different way. So, you know, to, to attribute that to a machine. Yeah, great. But this seems a little, a little too much in terms of expecting, and then it's easy to say, well, not really that intelligent. So, uh, I would like to know, first of all, let's start with why did you feel the need to write this book? Um, I'm assuming based on your experience in working in technology for a long time.
0: Yeah, exactly. I've worked for 25 years by now in various roles. Uh, First as a designer, as a researcher, as a project manager, always in, as I mentioned, like digital technologies, Virtual communities, applications, uh, algorithms—really uh, a host of uh, very various uh, projects—and um, increasingly, I was focusing on ethical aspects. You can think of privacy, but obviously also other topics like fairness or human autonomy. And then um, my coworkers and and, and partners and. Clients were often then when they knew I, that, that I was like the ethics person or an ethics person. Hey, Mark, can you help us with this uh, project? Uh, can you see whether it is ethical or not? And then quickly I found out that's, that's not a very fruitful path for me, like me judging them whether they're ethical or not. It's a, it's a silly task. I don't do that. So rather I uh, presented ethics as a process that they go through either implicitly, but rather I would prefer explicitly. So I helped them with uh, a vocabulary, a framework uh, uh, for taking into account ethical aspects in development and employment of technologies. So the, the, the need was really there. Uh, many, many professionals, if, if I give lectures or talks, <laughs> ethics is important in your projects. Well, all the, all the hands go up. And a second question, who of you thinks that uh, it is easy to take into account to integrate ethics in your process? Well, all the hands go down. So yeah, this is this is like the the gap where my book steps in. There are other books, uh, more academic one, academic ones. Mine, I think, and this also from the reviews, um, is rather accessible. I try to explain four uh, major ethical perspectives in a in a practical manner. Lots of examples. Uh, yeah, so yeah, it's it's helpful for people who work in tech who want to, but don't know how exactly to. It's a very practical book.
3: Yeah, and I want to go definitely as we keep the conversation going into some examples, the the steps, you know, the tips that you give in order to follow this method. But I want to hold a little bit into this process of people that work in tech, they. They want to be ethical, but most of the time they don't know how to apply. And I'm not saying that they're not ethical people. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping we're all somehow and <laughs> somewhat ethical. But do you think that what they call, you know, the the liberal art or the social uh, science, like sociology, philosophy, political science, and so forth? should be maybe at this time implemented into the education of technologists or people that work in tech so that maybe they do have some base fundamental to to go do their job in this world where technology is not just technology in a silos.
0: Yeah, yeah, I would certainly recommend... uh people who are educated to become uh, computer scientists, data scientists, software engineers, programmers, project managers, this whole group of people who help to create this digital world, digital applications. If they, if they learn more about uh, ethics and also other topics you mentioned, like sociology, uh, even political science. I mean, it's helpful if you, if you have just a broader view on it. And then, as I mentioned, I live and work in the, in the Netherlands. And we have four uh, large uh, universities of technology that's Delft, Eindhoven, Twente, and Wageningen. Uh, and all of them have in their second year a uh, a course that is obligatory for all, uh, applied ethics. So mm. from where I come from, it's normal
3: mm. uh, to have <laughs>
0: that as part of the education. But I've heard that it's not so no. in, uh, in, in all other countries.
3: Yeah, and that, that's why I asked you because I'm, I'm sure different countries they probably prepare their their academic curriculum in a, in a different way. But I feel also that nowadays with all these changes, I think that many education system they are at least I hope they are adapting uh, to mm-hmm. it. And uh, you know, I mean, it's it's definitely needed. I always joke that nowadays people that are uh, stud that have studied philosophy that they, in the past, even when I graduated many years ago, it was kind of like, why do you study that? <laughs> right. And, mm. and I would be like, uh, yeah, well maybe I'll go teaching them. Maybe I'll be using it in communicating with people advertising like I did, but nobody thought like, Oh, I'm going to go and use it in computer science. And now,
0: now, now we do. Um, yeah. Yeah. Indeed, yeah. It, it's, it's increasingly, uh, necessary, the technologies like social media are so ubiquitous and they have such enormous impacts they help to uh, no help they can enable people to skew and and rig uh, elections uh, so yeah these implications are are huge and 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 real so social science is needed to understand those processes ethics is needed political science um mm-hmm. yeah and i think that there's an increasingly and also to come back to your question I'm not aware of all the other countries and their curricula and their universities of technologies, but I would guess the Netherlands is not alone in this. There must be many, many mm-hmm. other countries increasingly implementing ethics in their like core courses. Right, right.
3: But let's talk about your book. So you, you say you have many examples, you have a system that would, I'm sure it will help both people that do have a certain background in in, in social science, because, you know, it's never enough. <laughs> it's certainly not a, a science that is uh, exact, uh, like maybe other kind of science. And, uh, and how did you approach that? So how do you introduce even the, the topic of ethics to people? Yeah, that's,
0: that, that, that's, that's a nice question. I do two things. The, what, the first thing is uh, I describe ethics and I present ethics as a, as a process. So the, the anecdote that I just told like, hey, Mark, can you help us make our project more ethical? That's like you see uh, ethics also maybe as a, as a checkbox or as a checklist or as a rubber stamp that you need to proceed or as a roadblock that you must like, uh, yeah, uh, cross and then the innovation can continue. And instead of that, I, I present a metaphor of the steering wheel. So imagine your project as a vehicle and then you want your vehicle your project to go safely from a to b and not hit the side of the road not hit trees stay on your side of the road no accidents take the correct uh off-ramp and that's 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 how you can use ethics as a steering wheel to to keep your project um yeah on track and not have it derail or have a collision or, or crashes um and secondly um and that's a bit more abstract. It's not a real metaphor, but as a process, which means uh, this also has to do with my background in industrial design engineering in Delft, which approaches design and innovation very much like a process that you can facilitate, to some extent manage it, but coordinate and facilitate for sure. And then it's an iterative process that I'm proposing. Like first, you put your project like on the table, you look at it, you imagine, you envision the, the outputs, what you want to achieve in the world and then you identify issues that's step one what could go wrong or what could go horribly well i mean that's also uh something i I gave the example of social media now everybody all the time everybody all the time everywhere is using social media so it's like yeah that can also go wrong or have implications so that's step one identify issues or risks or Things that you want to look at secondly organize uh, conversations dialogues about these first with a project team but also with a potential uh, user or somebody who, who who will experience the effects of it. If, it if it is an algorithm that aims to detect fraud you can invite a person who has been pointed at as being uh, committing fraud but then for example it was a false positive so that person in fact didn't commit fraud so that's very useful to to hear so, so such a person's experiences with so we're you able to complain we're you able to correct we're you able to look into the algorithm how it how it came to this wrong conclusion thirdly and that's also an important step is um uh, and that's the opposite of the philosopher sitting in their air armchair it's do something keep your project going and uh, make a decision Either design option A or design option B, or this feature or that feature, and then importantly, uh, do do some kind of experiment or monitoring that enables you to evaluate. So issues, conversations, and action—that's I think—is a is a iterative process that you can repeat every three months, three weeks, depending on your, oh, well, the, the way that you organize your projects.
3: Right. I, I like the idea of keeping it alive because. Things change, right? I mean, it's not something that, you know, something you may think it was ethical 20, 30, 50 years ago. It may certainly not be considered ethical today. Society evolve, change, sometimes go a little bit backward. You know, we, we see that. Sometimes it keeps moving forward. And and I think that what we really need to pay attention, and, and I, I like to use this word when we have this conversation, is the unexpected consequences, mm-hmm. right? Because it, you, you were using the example as like, Mark, can, can you come here and tell me if this is ethical? And you're like, well, that, that's a big question to put on one person <laughs> responsibility. And and it's more of a collective responsibility, I think, and, and, and keep the mind open and say, look, we do have biases. We do think in a certain way and what may be ethical for you, maybe in another culture, May be unethical, so it, it, ethics. It's even the definition of it is not an easy one. So I, to keep it open like this, I think it's it's a great concept. But but you said something before we start recording that I really like the other approach of zooming in and zooming out. So I would love for you to to talk about that approach.
0: Yeah, it's um, uh, systems thinking is underlying the the book that I wrote. Um, yeah, there, there are various ways to do system thinking. The way that I do it is, is rather practical. So if I find myself in a, in a meeting, they've invited me to think with them, or I'm, I'm, I'm a project team member, and at the moment that all of us, all of them, all of us are talking about some detail in the algorithm, in the user interface, in the product, I... I, I can then ask a question that zooms out. Like, so let's imagine this algorithm being implemented, having effects in the real world, uh, societal effects, uh, effects on, on on this example of this fraud detection on a person's uh, daily life. So, so then I zoom out. If everybody zoomed in, I zoom out. But I can also do this the other way around. Uh, imagine there's a, a s- same project, but a while later, or a different meeting. We're talking about, or they're talking about fairness and equality in rather abstract terms i will then ask a question that says hey but what was this user interface again Uh, this operator uh, that gets a list of names and there's a red flag for this person's name because the algorithm thinks that person was fraudulent has then this operator the ability to 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 push back the algorithm to to not follow uh, uh, well, the orders of the algorithm, so to say, to not follow up, but to question it, to push back. So then everybody zoomed out and I zoomed in. And I think that's a nice way of of showing the, the connections systems, thinking you may say, between what you create on a micro scale and the macro effects and the other way around how macro effects hang together with well, seemingly details. But that can, for example, fairness, justice, equality, bias, this is like a term that often people use. But um, like you were saying, well, it's a, it's a weird analogy. You were saying like values are not static, uh, they change. Yeah, sure, uh, and also if people talk about fairness or, or bias or, or equality, they may think of it as a snapshot in time, but it's also, there's always a time dimension. So what happens time-wise if I get this uh, a person calling me up inquiring whether I did something fraudulent. How can I then time-wise react to that? Do I have the ability to respond, to correct, to question the algorithm? So that's procedure, uh, not only the material justice. And yeah, that's something that I often do uh, to imagine how things happen over time, Uh, whether people have actual effective abilities to correct, to push back. If the algorithm doesn't go well, yeah, I'm just realizing that I often give examples of when the algorithm fails because, well, these are more interesting examples than uh, if the algorithm just does its job correctly.
3: Mm. So uh, I want I want to run by you something like we started with artificial intelligence and and the word uh, intelligence. Also, artificial is kind of funny <laughs> for me, but let's not go there. Uh, but intelligence and 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 I'm thinking. When we think about again uh, generative AI, uh, they it's it's made by ingesting, harvesting all this information. And you know, there are ethics in that process as well, from copyright to many other things. But but in general, the, the way I, I think about it is AI it's ultimately human. Technology is human, algorithm is human because it's not just technology that comes from nowhere. It's 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 the consequence of our thinking. And I want to be positive where only a few people maybe wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to be evil. I'm, I'm going to do something really bad today. Um, sure, maybe there are the villains in the, in the world. Mm-hmm. But in general, it's kind of like by mistake, by not thinking, because it's, it's hard to think from zooming out, zooming in putting yourself in a certain in a perspective. Put it in another. So, I think a system it's necessary, but how solid is that system? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just throwing this mm-hmm.
0: out there. Yes. For you yeah. Let l- l- me pick up on your on your proposition that most of us are not evil. I totally agree with that. Like in the in the first chapter or so of the book I write. The assumption underlying the book is that most of us, all of us have the uh, ability, even uh, the motivations to do good, to do well, to do good to others, to do good to the world. And then um, I have had uh, reviews and uh, responses to my book where people and I think they had a good, 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 good argument. Like, uh, suppose that I read your book, I understood most of it. I now have a vocabulary and I now have a framework and I now have four perspectives. I can like do ethics in this process manner like identify issues, talk about them with appropriate people and then action and creation. But then there's also the context in which in which I work If I work for a, uh, a stock owned a company th- 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 then of course the the, the short term quarterly financial results. Mm. are are like the main concern, and then you will have also typically again the example of social media uh, a business model based on grabbing people 's attention, uh, holding people 's attention as long as possible, uh, a bit of polarization, a bit of uh, yeah fueling arguments, having people engaged as they call it, and then selling advertisements um, if that is the context in which i earn my living in which i earn my salary then it's more difficult to um to bring into practice this 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 better nature of myself and this ethical impulse of myself so in sociology i think there's this typical separation which is not a real separation but like agency and structure so my book is much about agency to equip the moral agent the individual the software developer the engineer the project manager to integrate ethics into the project but there's also structure uh, the company in which you work the way that projects are managed the way uh, you're expected to deliver results that help to uh, uh, create short-term financial benefits for example and um In the book, there's four. In the middle of the book are four chapters with four main ethical perspectives, and each each of these chapters starts with a bit of um, fiction, which I had uh, lots of fun writing. It so like a theater play or a film script. Four people in a room, typically doing a project management uh, review meeting, something, and then it's talking about deadlines. It's talking about quality. It's talking about. Uh, different functions, the legal person, the interface per, user interface person, uh, the client. And I think by that way, I try to yeah, pull in some of the reality of doing your work in a project, in a company. And then also showing how sometimes, hopefully often, this inclination to do good uh, stays alive
3: yeah it's it's tough i mean i'm I'm thinking the example you brought like when you are in an environment where it's it's the same thing of the definition of better like when somebody people say well i wanna do better I'm like better than what what's your what's your parameter <laughs> what are you confronting? what are you comparing better with it's it's there is not a better in general it's better again if your goal is to as a company is to make money sell more things sell advertising that could be your better but from mm. a societal perspective yes sure you create jobs you create economy you create sell but are you really making society better so mm. i know that's one of your of your goal to kind of like look at technology as a, a tool that can help humanity to to be more fair and,
0: and yeah fair. yeah yeah, and I, I like very much the way that you put it. Indeed, like even a simple word like better, better in what sense, better for whom. Uh, I have a, a chapter in the book that deals with value and then I play with mm. value in the sense of uh, economic value, business model-wise, but also value in the sense of uh, helping people to live uh, to live the good life in terms of well-being. And I also noticed that uh, increasingly governments are, are going like beyond gdp so your gross national gross domestic product as a measure for well-being is is like yeah it's not it's not it's 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 not as relevant anymore because now we need to pay attention to the limits to growth now we need to pay attention to sustainable growth or sustainable development and then yeah so it's 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 a way indeed like you're saying better create value, create value, economic value, or well-being value, or what sense and for whom is always uh, good questions to to ask.
3: Mm. Yeah, and I I think that while when technology maybe, uh, I like always to look back and then, you know, to look forward. And and I think like when technology wasn't, at least the, the, the computer technology, the digital technology wasn't so pervasive, we didn't really worry too much because I don't know, maybe, maybe it was more of a, an entertainment, the technology or something that you use in a specific environment like manufacture, or maybe I'm thinking, you know, I can think technology as a, a, a cassette tape or, you know, you're from the Netherlands. So I know it was invented there, uh, but a radio or, you know, that, that was technology, but it wasn't so like what, what kind of, ARM could have done. The moment that we put that on the internet and then it become everybody's phone, social media, I mean, the the game became a lot more complex to play.
0: Yeah, totally agree. Uh, Historians of technology will possibly be able to argue like the radio was big it helped to uh spread the news it enabled people to mobilize people uh for good and for bad and television was big because it it was i think an, in, an increase in, in hours spent uh per day at a screen yeah but definitely uh the internet as well uh, and all things digital and all things online it's like um it's nice uh, some, sometimes to have a historical perspective, like who would have guessed <laughs> that we're now all carrying all the time in our pockets, in our hands often, with mm-hmm. our necks curled to watch the screen, even on the bike, and from the Netherlands, of course. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's, it's uh, in a sense, it's crazy. Uh, we have these powerful tools, and what are we doing with it? Scrolling through Facebook, really? Right. Explain that yeah, to it's... me, why?
3: <laughs> That's my question too. It's like, <laughs> like, you have such a huge power there, and and we're using so little, uh, if if any, and, and it's more of an entertainment than than a power. I mean, look at again, you know, generative AI. I mean, I, I, I like to play and you and I use uh, Chat GPT. I use Mid Journey to create images. I mean, it's liberating from a creative perspective um i understand it comes with consequences but uh you know experimenting with it and see if he, you do a better job you to get inspired mm-hmm. that's that's one thing yeah. that yeah. that it will yeah hey, Mark, so what what is your thoughts on the future uh, let, let's yeah. get there before we end i'm curious what's your vision yeah, uh, after you wrote this book
0: <laughs> my vision for the future is that people involved in the creation and deployment of technologies become better in integrating ethics, which will hopefully, in the projects, which will then hopefully lead to uh, products and services and apps that better enable people to uh, live well together. And that's a solution to the book I plan to write next. <laughs> uh-huh, all hey. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. You, give, us uh, a, think... give us a preview. <laughs> what is the book? that was the, that was the preview yeah no what I can maybe do is uh, even briefly uh, discuss uh, the four ethical perspectives mm-hmm. that I like like at the center of the book and then I can answer this question more please um, yeah. yeah so I go back to uh, several ethical perspectives uh, that are commonly used also in the context of technology um, uh, first one i think it's very much accessible to people with technology or with economic economic economics backgrounds is consequentialism it simply looks seemingly simply looks at uh, the potential pluses and minuses of of the technology that you're working on so let's take jet jet gtp as an example on the plus side it helps people with uh with creating better text better vocabulary better grammar I can become a better writer more creative writer if I use it correctly like not slavishly but like as a tool on the downside maybe people lose their jobs uh, because yeah you need less uh, workers if they if they use if they can use a powerful tool like ChatGTP. consequentialism also enables you to look at the pluses and minuses how they are uh, uh in a larger system like the creation of chat gdp required lots of workers in kenya to clean up texts to moderate to do this and that and that's that was obviously uh, uh not always pleasant work labor conditions not optimal etc so lots of the costs are done yeah transferred to a country like kenya to the workers over there uh, so that's also a uh, a uh, how large you take your pluses and minuses analysis and then how the pluses and minuses are distributed. So the pluses and minuses are simply simple, but not as simple if you, if you do this systems analysis and this distribution, uh, the second one is duty ethics and people with a background in law will recognize that it has lots to do with obligations and also with rights, often also with human rights and that perspective puts center stage, uh, human dignity and uh, human autonomy. And that perspective looks at, hey, this company uh, that is uh, creating something, chat, GTP G- like what obligations does it have? Uh, and yeah, strangely, in the, in the digital uh, industry, it's a bit lacking of obligations. Suppose you were a pharma- pharmaceutics company, or a, uh, a food or drinks company you have lots of rules to comply to you must do this test this test this test and only then can you put it to the market but yeah algorithms you just you just put them online and they're good and yeah that that's silly in a way so uh, yeah luckily the, the European Union is doing lots of legislation that have uh, also an impact outside of the EU um, GDPR the upcoming AI Act um, so that's that's an important uh, second um, ethical perspective to look at duties and also rights. If we look again at ChatGTP, there are now authors uh, suing uh, OpenAI, the, the creators of uh, of ChatGTP, for infringing upon their copyrights because, well, yeah, as you mentioned it before. Uh, they they harvest yeah the whole of Wikipedia, lots of books, lots of the internet. And, yeah, also copyrighted books. And sometimes you can really recognize if you, if you ask for some text output in the style of an author or, or with uh, your, 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 your uh, images producing uh, generative AI in the style of some illustrator or photographer, it is yeah, almost or for sure an, an, an infringing upon their copyrights and other rights privacy as well. Third one to keep it shorter is relational ethics. And that also I use it as an umbrella term for uh, several ethical approaches that are a reaction to the first and the second ethical perspective because consequentialism of, of Jeremy Bentham, for example, and duty ethics of Emmanuel Kant, for example, were very much yeah, products of the European enlightenment. And yeah, assumptions and ambitions had to do with uh, rationality, independence, autonomy, uh, taken often to the extreme, as if everything needs to be objective and rational, and and autonomous. And the relational ethics is a critique on that. Like it it, it says we're all interdependent. Uh, there needs to be justice, but there also needs to be care. And that and that justice and and care need to to go hand in hand. And that perspective of relational ethics you can use very much for uh, all these digital technologies that have an impact on how people relate to each other, how they interact to each other. The example that I've been given a couple of times like the the fraud detection algorithm, does it then reduce the person to a number as if that person is not a person without a face, only a number that you send a letter to like you're a fraud Or, or or does relational ethics then enable you to to think of a process that has much more um, uh, looks to the human uh, on the other side of the algorithm so to say and relational ethics also borrows from from feminist critiques and from uh, feminist ethics because it enables you to uh, question power and the distribution of power it would for example if we take jet gtp again uh, look at hey Is it now really so that five US-based companies own all the large language models? That's weird. As if other languages, other cultures, other continents don't matter. Uh, And yeah, that's, I think, also a plea for uh, other cultures, other continents, other languages, also uh, working on large language models. The fourth one, Marco, and that's my favorite one, Virtue Ethics. It it, it ties into what I said before, uh, looking at technology as as tools. I uh, borrow very much, uh, I was very much inspired by Shannon Veller, her her work, her book, Technology and the Virtues. Uh, She understands technologies as tools that can either help people or hinder people to cultivate relevant virtues. And then there are several traditions that you can turn to. I turn to Aristotle's uh, Virtue Ethics. And he will talk about courage and self-control and justice as key virtues. There are other virtues as well, like creativity, curiosity, civility, honesty. I think I have 15 or so in the book that I go into some detail. And then, uh, again, look at chat GTP. Does it empower me as a user to become more creative? yeah if i use it correctly it does and then virtue ethics has to do with finding an appropriate way of using this technology like not too slavishly uh but 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 to to have the appropriate mean as aristotle would say and finally virtue ethics is i think very much um Uh, suitable for professionals and for professional ethics because you can also turn around this virtue ethics question and ask yourself as a programmer, as a software developer, as a project manager, what virtues do I need if I work in this project with this algorithm? I need to cultivate within myself justice and fairness and honesty. If I'm working on an algorithm that is hopefully also uh, contributing to justice and honesty and now to come back to your question my next book will put relational ethics and virtue ethics center stage how we can use technologies to better relate to each other and to live the good life better so how we can live well together Wow, I I, I enjoy it very much. <laughs> that was my lecture of ten minutes. Sorry for that, Marco. <laughs> no,
3: no, no. I, I I'm sure that the audience has been enjoying I did. I mean, I'm I love all these things that you mentioned. I'm relatively familiar with, you know, some of philosopher that I have studied in the past, and, and I love how for a moment I'm like I had to remind myself we're talking about technology and not <laughs> philosophy and virtues because all these that you said they do apply yes in technology but they do apply in in everything everything else that we do right so you know are we doing the right thing and what is the right thing and and i have to say that anything you were mentioning right now i'm just in the mindset of zooming in and zooming out <laughs> it mm-hmm. really is it's it's functioning in my head almost like a, a zoom of a camera and, and I'm kind of like, yeah, you can look at this in the detail, but you can look at this in the big picture and and you need both. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah,
0: exactly. Like uh, the social media app example again, but I can think of other examples as well later on. Uh, the business model on a macro scale is often holding and grabbing and monetizing people's attention. How does it do that in the user interface? Well, with beeps and with flashes, and with your uh, endless uh, scroll through the timeline, mm-hmm. so they hang together the details in the user interface and the and the larger societal uh, aspects uh, implications. Yeah,
3: and and but- and, the, and the mind manipulation, the mental addiction that you create by doing that. Maybe in the in the big picture you don't see it because you're not getting that close. But when you go there, you're like, yeah, that's affecting my everyday life. All these beeps and and it's like the Pavlov. <laughs> Bell, mm. right? It's you, you become uh, you become part of that tool, and that's definitely not the a good way to use it. But anyway, I I really enjoyed this conversation. I I think it'd be an interesting book. The next one that you write as well. But for now, we were talking about this one. I'm sure that you gave a lot of example, but there's much more in the book. So I want to remind people that the link to the book and the link to all the uh, your social media, your website, the book website will be in the notes for this podcast. Um, I invite people to get in touch with you, to read the book, of course, to subscribe to read the finance society podcast and, uh, stay tuned for many more conversation, uh, like this. So Mark, thank you so much for your participation. I really enjoyed this conversation and, uh, thank you. Yeah, come back, uh, come back when you have the next book. any time.
1: Thank you.
0: My pleasure.
3: All right. Thank you very much. Bye, Mark. Bye, everybody. Stay tuned for the next episode.
2: Devo unlocks the full value of machine data for the world's most instrumented enterprises. The Devo Data Analytics Platform addresses the explosion in volume of machine data and the crushing demands of algorithms and automation. Learn more at... Devo.com BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at BugCrowd.com Black Cloak provides concierge cybersecurity protection to corporate executives and high net worth individuals to protect against hacking, reputational loss, financial loss, and the impact of a corporate data breach. Learn more at blackcloak.io.
1: We hope you enjoyed this episode of Redefining Society, hosted by Marco Ciappelli. If you learned something new, and this conversation made you think, then add this show to your favorite podcast player, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and share the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network with your friends, family, and colleagues. We hope you will come back for more stories, and follow us on our journey.